as long as they get edited out of the podcast. Hold on, we'll we'll leave them in. We're gonna do we're gonna do live stream here. Yeah. I'm all I've been waiting for this for my entire life. Happy Black Monday, everybody. Recording this because this is when we got studio time because somebody was not paying attention to what was happening this Monday night. I heard there's uh, uh, an important game. Well, you'd think it's important, but we started watching it and then we gave up on it because it was an awful, awful college game. But as soon as we stopped watching, you're telling me it's gotten good. I've been in here setting up the studio and you've been watching the College Football National Championship for, on a rare Monday night recording for us here in Spot, uh, Sports Gospel Land. Yeah, you know, and again, like, I've heard there's a sudden spin to this game, so up here in the Northwest, we may not be too close to what's going on here, but in other words, this college football championship is going on right as we speak, and uh, it is a dang good game, if I would say so myself. What do we, when you last told me Georgia finally went ahead and the world rejoiced, because unless you're in the state of Alabama, you are cheering for Georgia to win this. This, as far as I know, there was a 67 yard run, I forget by who, and then Georgia went ahead, they scored their first touchdown of the game. And uh, then Bryce Young had a nice completion down to the five-yard line. Alabama couldn't punch it in. They kick a field goal. Georgia's up by one. So ah, we're praying that Georgia wins so that Oregon has to go down and play the reigning national championship with their defensive coordinator next year to start the season off. I just think it's going to be kind of a crazy uh, subplot here. So that's what we're praying for here for the Northwest. So in spite of all that, this is going to be an NFL-heavy show for us. We are going to preview the what they're dubbing the Super Wild Card Weekend, because it's not just a wild card weekend, it is super duper this year. Games on Saturday, games on Sunday, and a Monday night game here for the first round of the playoffs. Our, our first 17-game season, the second season that we've had seven teams make the playoffs. And we're going to start here in the AFC. We're going to start with the first scheduled game, and that's going to be the two, what I would say, improbable teams, the Raiders and the Bengals. When you go back to the beginning of the year, how many of us saw either or both of these teams making the playoffs. I would say two feel-good stories, kind of teams you don't really expect to be there, especially the Bengals coming out of the super tough uh, AFC North. The four-seed Bengals, 10-7, and seven, the five-seed Raiders, 10-7, and seven, getting in on the potentially conspiracy laid in. They could have tied. They both could have got in. The Chargers and the Raiders both could have made it. But from all accounts, one of the best games of the season, if not recent years, the Raiders taking down the Chargers on the last second field goal to punch their ticket as the five seed. They're traveling to Cincinnati. So what say you, Raiders or Bengals, in the 4-5 matchup? And I would argue probably could be the most fun game. I think there's a lot of odds that this will be the best game we get out of the weekend. First of all, can we talk about how fun the the end of the season was? I mean, shoot, we were talking about the fact that there was three teams eligible to make the playoffs, and it came down to the final two minutes of an overtime game. That's not something that we usually get in a, in a regular season. So, first of all, I want to just talk about how fun and awesome and diverse the NFL regular season was. I think we had the most teams eligible to make the playoffs when that came to weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, which just made it so much better. There's no teams really dogging it. And I also don't think that there's a lot of teams. That, there was no tank for Tua or tank for Trevor or lose for luck. That wasn't really something that was a very common thread this year. So I just want to start off on that. I think that was a lot of fun, and the fact that we were able to get that this year was really cool. So I appreciate the fact that that was going on. Now, I do believe that this game is going to be a lot of fun. And gosh dang it, the Raiders, man, I don't know. After losing John Gruden early in the season, they just kind of have – Derek Carr's been able to carry this team. But I really am a big Joe Burrow believer. Um, this offense has been electric with him. Um, with Joe Mixon, I mean, he's been carrying the team. Jamar Chase, who apparently couldn't catch anything in the preseason, now is like the best rookie of all time. To be fair, he does drop a lot of passes. Yeah. He is he is boom or bust to the uh, 
<laughs> the best example of the word. A bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns, but a whole lot of drops and not that many targets overall. But he's getting the job done. But, I mean, 1,500 yards later, and what, I mean, that's that doesn't just happen up thin air. you got to be pretty good to be able to do that, especially in the NFL. Um, so I do agree. I do think this is going to be a fun game. Again, the Raiders just kind of like it's one of those things. I think we talked about it earlier with the Washington State Cougars. Like, when teams lose their coach, they can definitely go one of two directions. Um, and the Raiders kind of, they, they it was the weird deal midseason where John Gruden just got fired all of a sudden. But now I think that they kind of ride around that a little bit. And they didn't play amazing. That's not going to twist it. But they were able to play good enough to get in the playoffs. They won that last game against the Chargers, and that was really cool. Um, so they've kind of been able to ride around the coach. But going into Cincinnati, a team that has, again, they've been really electric this season. I think that the, that the, that the fireworks are going to be too much for the Raiders to handle. So for me, I do think that Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Mixon, and company are going to be just too much for the Raiders to handle. I think the fairy tale season is going to end um, in Cincinnati. But I do agree on the note that it's going to be one of the more exciting games, if not the exciting, most exciting game uh, of the first round of the playoffs. And I, I'm not going to say it's because – both of these teams are fantastic. I don't think either of these teams can touch Kansas City, given the opportunity. I more on that later. But some information here to back these up. Both of these teams are 10-7, and 7, as we mentioned. Bengals the 4, Raiders the 5. The Raiders had to win four straight to get in, and they beat some decent teams. They beat the Browns, Colts, and the Chargers in that four-game win streak. Something concerning, they have the number 6 passing offense but the number 28 rushing conference, which is tough to swallow for somebody like me who is a Huge proponents of a one Josh Jacobs and thought he was an elite rushing uh, running back in this league, but kind of a tough year for them. And then you go over to the Bengals, who actually beat the Raiders in Las Vegas 32-13 to earlier this year. A rematch in Cincinnati this go-around. Another team, 22nd in rushing, despite Joe Mixon being fantastic. So not really a lot else for Cincinnati. A lot of these teams higher up on the rushing list, like a Philadelphia. You've got the running quarterback and the stable of backs. Joe Mixon is fantastic, one of the top four running backs in the league, I would say. But overall, 22nd in rushing. And an interesting historical note here, the Bengals, the longest playoff win drought in the NFL. They last won a game 31 years ago. They've been 0-8 in the playoffs since then. The Raiders, not faring much better, but at least they've been in this millennium. The Raiders last won a playoff game in 2002. So you have two teams coming off the some of the worst decades in the NFL so you have to feel good for these. We've seen the Chiefs, we've seen the Patriots, we've seen the Steelers. Good for the Raiders and the Bengals to get this far. I want to shoot out. I want high scoring. Give me 42 to 39. I'm picking the Bengals, but really, I, I feel good for either one of these two teams winning. You know, and I definitely agree with that. I think the last time that I really remember the Bengals playing in the playoffs is when they had, uh, was it Carson Palmer was playing? And uh, I do believe he, he actually might have torn his ACL like one of the first plays of the game. Yeah, I think, I think that was a lot of fun. That was a good game to watch, actually. Um um, but in my memory, you know, I'm not terribly old, but so in my memory, I don't know the Bengals as being a good franchise, a good team, really. And so this is really, and I agree with you, and it's, well, the funny part about it is I think that Joe Burrow has kind of turned into what Browns fans thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be, somebody that can, the first-round draft pick, you know, the uh, the walk-on transfer, the kind of the guy that was going to turn around a franchise a little bit. And he's been able to do that in two years. You know, granted, he has a lot of weapons, a lot of things around him, and they've done a good job with the management, the coaching, and everything else. But... At the same time, like Joe Burrow has kind of been this, been the, been the guy to lead the lead the battle a little bit. So it's been really fun to watch what this franchise has been able to do in the last couple of years. And I get people not liking these teams, especially the Raiders. I know plenty of people hate the Raiders for their various reasons. 
I don't know if anybody who hates the Bengals, they're just, they kind of exist and they're terrible, so nobody really thinks about them. You have two teams that give up plenty of points, especially the Raiders. The Raiders, one of the worst scoring defenses in the league, giving up, uh, what is it, 26 points per game, basically. The Bengals a little better, only giving up 22, but these te- these are not Buffalo, New England, Denver-type defenses. So there's going to be points to be had here. And another historical note here, we looked back at first-round wildcard winners since 2017, and we have had eight, four, five matchups. You do that math. The five seed has won. This is combined, AFC, NFC. The five seed has won one, two, three, four, five times in those eight matchups. The four seed has only won three. So if you want some historical weighted averages there, the five seed does fare better than the four. But I, I like this Bengals team. I like Joe Burrow. I like Trey Hendrickson on the defensive side. Jesse Bates, some of these guys we don't talk about near enough. We get focused on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But that defense for the Bengals, I think there's going to be a big play. Somebody like a, his, uh, Hendrickson gets a strip sack or a big interception in a clutch moment. Derek Carr, as much as we like Derek Carr, one of the great leaders of this entire league, prone to interceptions. I think there could be a crunch time interception that he throws in this game. Give me the Bengals in like a 31-24. Yeah, I think I'm going to be right down the alley with that one, too. I don't know if the Raiders get to 24, but I think it's going to be somewhere like 35-17, um, right in that range. So I'm taking the Bengals in this one as well. And I'll probably just pick my first round, because I'll be here every week to guide you along the way. But later in the show, we'll get Austin's entire playoffs, because it may be two weeks before we see him again. Which, surprise to you, by the way. I don't know why. Also, you keep shaking this table. I'm going to get motion sickness. But you seem very distraught, which tells me that Alabama did something good. Alabama scored a touchdown, unfortunately, but they did not get the two-point conversion, so they're up by five. Is there, is there time enough? Yeah, there's like eight minutes left. Oh, all kinds of time. In the SEC, that's like four field goals. At the minimum. These touchdowns aren't allowed. All right, the 3-6 matchup, the divisional rivalry. The six-seed Patriots and the division winner, the number three-seed Bills. The Bills won four straight to clinch the division and get in. You've got these teams that played each other in the regular season. They split, but both of the road teams won. Patriots won at the Bills. The Bills won in Foxborough. So not a good sign for the Bills to be hosting this one. However, Bill Belichick is 2-2 two and two in wildcard games in his career. He's made the playoffs a lot, but usually they had that first-round bye back in the when the top two seeds got the first-round bye. So rare for Mr. Belichick to be coaching on wildcard weekend. So you kind of have something working in the favor of both of these two teams. Two high-powered offenses. We don't really think about the Patriots, but they have the number six scoring offense, the Bills with the number three, Josh Allen and company there, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, that whole crew. The Patriots, the number nine rushing attack, and the Bills, the number six rushing attack. Uh, Damian Harris leading the way for the Patriots. I don't know who the heck the Bills have at the running back. It seems to change, you know, just like you change your socks. Bills-Patriots, the AFC East showdown. What say you? First of all, can we talk about the, the last time that they played? The last time they played, I think Mac Jones completed all of two passes. Oh, uh, yes, the famous win game. The win game. I think that was the last time we were in studio together. It, just, I mean, it might have been. Coming like, full circle. So, yeah, that game was, you know, that's not something that you see. That's something you see in a high school game. That's not something you see in an NFL game. You know, but this it goes to the smarts of what Bill Check is able to do and the game plan that he's able to put together. And the ability to rally his troops in order to figure out a way to win. I do think that comes down to a little bit of team camaraderie a little bit because that's not a sexy win. That's not be let's not try to fool ourselves, right? That's not a that's not a game that we think that is gonna happen every time. So I do think that for this game in particular, Bill Chel- Bill Belichick is brilliant and the weather is gonna play a major factor. Now the Bills, like you said, don't have a strong rushing attack. 
So if the weather turns out to be 40, 45 degrees and clear with no wind, I do think that the Bills have a greater advantage. But if the weather turns out to be snowy and normal Buffalo weather in the middle of January, then I don't think that they stand a very good chance in this game. So I don't know what the weather looks like in this game, and I don't know what the forecast is, but it, it, it's very weather-dependent just because, again, January football is won by rushing attacks. Um, you got to be able to hold a lot of scrimmage, be sturdy, be strong, be kind of bully the other team a little bit. Miana, you know, at the end of the day, like, strong rushing attacks win championships. And so um, and I'm going to call the upset in this one. I do think that Bill Belichick has their number, and so I do think that the Patriots are going to take this game. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I think he's going to lean on them a little bit and maybe put up, you know, maybe three touchdowns, maybe a 21-14, 21-17 to kind of game. Um, but I do think the Patriots are going to take this one. The Bills did win two games in the playoffs last year at home before they had to go to Arrowhead and ran into the buzzsaw that is the Chiefs. The thing that I think is going to tip this game is you have the New England defensive line versus the Bills offensive line. I think Josh Allen can move and make plays, but I don't love that offensive line for the Bills. Whereas for the Patriots, you've got Dietrich Wise, you've got Lawrence Guy, especially Matt Judon, who I would say is a Pro Bowl player. You've got Dante Hightower, who's a decade in that Belichick system. Plus you've got J.C. Jackson, the best cornerback in the AFC, Adrian Phillips, Devin McCourty. You know, a lot of these veterans, Kyle Duggar's been a nice young player for them. That Patriot defense is legit. They are the real deal. They are loaded. I I am not a Patriots fan. I am about the farthest away from it. And I love this Bills team, so I so badly want to ride with the Bills. If I'm betting money, I'm still going to put my money on the Bills, even though I know it's probably wrong. I just I have to go with the Patriots in this one, just based on you know kind of the facts that we've presented here. And something fun that we discovered looking up the last four years of the playoffs the 2017, 18, 19, 20 playoffs, again, you've had eight games. The six seed has beat the three seed seven times. It was only in 2017. Who did I say earlier when we were discussing this? That was the three seed that won? I believe the Jaguars. The Jaguars. It was the Jaguars. It was a year that they had this with the Saxonville team where they went to, all the way to the AFC Championship yeah. and lost to, guess who? Bill Tom Ball, Brady. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady of the, the Everlight, Evermighty Patriots. Yes. So the the Blake Bordelais-led Jaguars were the last three seed to beat a six. I think that's – I would not have guessed that until I looked this up. So that tells me, watch out for the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. I If they get past the Bills, I hope the Chiefs destroy them. But my – my, my heart says Bills, but my mind has to go Patriots, and I agree with you. It's going to be low scoring. As much as we love Josh Allen and how dangerous that offense can be, it's going to be like a 17-14 game, and I think I have to go Patriots like a late field goal, and the Bills don't have enough time to drive at the end. It's going to be a goofy late field goal. I think they're going to stymie Josh Allen. I do think that he's still a little bit too young, and I think Bill Pelichuk is going to take advantage of that. So, yeah, low scoring game, but I do think the Patriots are going to take it. And now on to... The luckiest team in the NFL, seven seeds do not belong in the playoffs. The Steelers, 9-7-1 by, first of all, they had to beat the Ravens. Good for them. They actually did their part on that. Had to get the luck of the Chargers and Raiders, not time. And then you have the Colts, who played the worst game any team has played this year. Is that fair to say? The Jaguars, an absolute mess. You talked about it earlier. Nobody tanked. The Lions and the Jaguars were fighting. You watched the Lions-Packers. Yes, I get Aaron Rodgers was not playing in the second half. He was still coaching. a fun game to watch, though, wasn't right? it? It was a fun game. The Lions played hard. The Jags clearly played hard and took the Colts out to the woodshed. So all the stars aligned for the Steelers, which, by conspiracy theory, the NFL wanted this to happen, send Big Ben out. Now, it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to slaughter them. 
But is, it, is this one of those team of destiny things for the Steelers where they get in, kind of like the Giants? No. In like 2012, the Giants got hot at the end and just went on a hot streak. They were like nine and seven and snuck in. No. Okay. And again, God bless. I they actually they probably have one of my favorite running backs, if not my favorite running back in the league, Najee Harris. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen even when he was out playing at Alabama. Like there's NFL running backs that run hard. There's college running backs to run hard. And then there's Najee Harris. Like, he plays on a completely different level. And it is it is fun to watch and it's good to see. But the difference between this team and the the Giants team that you're referencing is that Ben Roethlisberger is in his 17th season. 17th, 18th? Something like that. Yeah, that works out. He can throw the ball easily, easily a shell of himself versus where Eli Manning was. Maybe not. He was in his prime. He may not have been an amazing top-tier quarterback in his prime, but he was better than what Ben Roethlisberger is right now. Um, coming off an of injury, he hasn't had an amazing season. He has a good season, um, but I don't know that I am a huge fan of this. And frankly, let's just not put anything aside. Like the Chiefs, like we were all talking about them right in the season, like what's going on with the Chiefs? How come they can't win any football games? And they quietly just reeled off, you know, a 12-win season and were able to sneak into that two seed. Like it was like. Don't, let's not pretend that we're shocked. Patrick Mahomes still isn't gonna, isn't going to play a real game in, until he gets to an AFC Championship game if he if they get there. Um, and I just don't see the Ben Roethlisberger-led Steelers keeping up with the Chiefs even slightly. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs put up 35 points on them. Uh, uh, the I think the Steelers are lucky to get to 21, so maybe let's go like a like a 38 to 14, 38 to 17 type of game somewhere around that range. You are being far more generous to the Steelers than I will be. The Steelers, 4-4 four four in their last eight games. Uh, the Chiefs, 9-1 and one in their last ten. They started out a little rough, and I was one of the ones. I thought the Chiefs would fall off this year. I thought they'd kind of go the way of the Ravens and just miss out in the playoffs. At least I was, got the Ravens right, but the Chiefs, the Chiefs are terrifying. This Chiefs team looks as good to me as any Chief team has in the last couple of years. They beat the Steelers in Kansas City 36-10 to earlier this year. You've got the Chiefs with the number four passing attack, not shocking, the number four scoring offense. Yes, Najee Harris has been very good, probably in that conversation for rookie of the year. I think he'd have trouble getting past Jamar Chase and Mac Jones, but he's in the conversation. I love Chase Claypool. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. But no Juju Smith-Schuster I think is really going to hurt. They just don't have the weapons for the Pittsburgh offense, I think, to go firepower with the Chiefs without Juju Smith-Schuster there. The defense, yes, we know how great T.J. Watt is tying the sack record. He's been phenomenal. He's the defensive player of the year. I love Cameron Hayward. Devin Bush is nice. Joe Schobert's fantastic. Micah Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the league. So the Steelers have that defense. I think they're going to make some plays. And I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I think the Steelers have an amazing defense that's going to make some plays, but I don't think their offense is going to stay on the field long enough. I feel like it's going to be quick three and outs, and the Chiefs' offense is going to be on the field all day and just wear down that Pittsburgh defense. There's no way a team can stay on the field that entire time. Patrick Mahomes is going to carve them up, no matter how great the Steelers' defense is. I'm I'm going blowout in this one. Give me Chiefs, like 42-7. to I'm going for a crushing blow in this one. The Chiefs are going to get hot, and they're ready to bring in the Patriots to Arrowhead next week and to smash Bill Belichick and make their way to the championship game. So... Give me, give me the Chiefs in a blowout. By the way, no, I don't disagree. No, when we were looking at scores earlier, what was the score that was the Jacksonville score? It was like 62-3. to 3. 
Was that what we said? Is that what you were talking about? Like the last time the Dolphins made the playoffs or something? Last or like time AFC Championship game? Something. It was like the, it was the like 62 to 3. So I don't know if that's going to quite get in that range, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 40 or a 50 spot from the Chiefs in this game. Let's just be real, though. 60, 60 points in a game is, in an NFL game, that should never happen. And I don't know if the Chiefs are that good. Um, I don't think the Steelers' defense is that bad. Uh, but I don't think that they stand a chance. And so um, that's what we're going to choose for that one. So I think we're pretty much even. You know, we, we don't, we all kind of, we both kind of agree on that one. So those are the two Saturday games and the, and the late Sunday game. Um, and so that's what we got for the AFC. Switching over to the NFC, I believe, now is what we're going to do. I, I did not expect us to align. we got to disagree on one of these in the NFC. I think I know which one, but I did not expect us to be on the same page for those. Uh, going with when the games are going to start here, the first NFC game we will have is the Eagles, speaking of teams who don't belong in the playoffs because seven seeds do not belong in the playoffs. The Eagles, I don't know how they did it, somehow snuck their way in here. Is Nick Sirianni the only first-year coach? Oh, well, Rich Passaccia is kind of a first-year coach, I guess. But anyways, Nick Sirianni... It's a, it's a half a year, so we yeah. can't count it quite okay. yet. So Nick Sirianni, the first rookie head coach to make it, I think he was the one when we all saw the names, we're like, wait, who's this guy? How did he get hired? Very out of left field name, even for us sports fans. And people criticize the the Eagles for this. I love Jalen Hurts. I like a lot about this Eagles team. They, of all the, they do have the worst offense. Let's just call it the way it is. They do have the worst offense of the NFC teams to make the playoffs, but they do have that rushing attack. No real signature running backs for the Eagles, but running back by committee. When you've got, well, Jalen Hurts does a lot of the work himself from the quarterback position. Very underrated as a running quarterback. Probably belongs in that conversation with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray when you look at the numbers. But Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, whoever the heck they throw out there is going to get some yards. They've got that system figured out. But you're playing Tom Brady, the number two offense, the number one passing offense, the number two scoring offense. Weirdly, the Bucks not a good rushing attack, but... That defense is intact. I think the Bucks are getting right at the right time, much like the other 2-7 matchup with the Chiefs and the Steelers. I think this one could be worse, but I also feel like the Bucks are going to give up some big touchdowns. I'll, I'll, kinda, I'll just throw mine out here and turn it over to you. I think the Bucks are going to roll like a 34-14 type win in this one. You know, I this is a very... like The defense that they have, a lot of the players that are still the same players that they were able to shut down Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. Todd Bowles is still there. He's a great defensive coordinator, smart mind. And you give him you know, time to prepare for something like this. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's a good rushing attack, but the playoffs are a different level of animal. And I think that when it comes to the preparation and what they want to do, Todd Bowles is going to be able to you know, rein them in a little bit. I don't, I do think, I don't, use my words. So I do think that the Eagles will be able to shrink the game based off of their running attack, and they are bullies up front. So they don't think that it's going to be a blowout just in the mere fact that the uh, the Eagles are going to be able to, you know, get three, four, or five yards in that cloud to shrink the game a little bit. But at the end of the day, there's going to be too many big plays. I think that Chris Godwin is is really good. I think that Mike Evans is going to, is going to, you know, he's going to have a couple big plays as well, and Tom Brady is just, he's so dialed in when it comes to the playoffs. So um, I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than we think, only in score. Um, but I think if you actually watch the game, then it, it's one of those games where it might be turn out to be like a 28-7 to game where it never was actually close, but it looks a lot closer than it could be. So I do think the Buccaneers are going to take this one. I do think they're going to be ready to, to defend their championship this year. 
I do have to give the Eagles credit that. They've been maligned for their offensive line over the years just because they're not healthy. When those guys are healthy, especially Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, that is a ferocious offensive line like you mentioned. And they're going to be going head-to-head with one of the best defensive fronts. I believe it's the exact same guys we had last year for the Buccaneers. And Dominic Vita Vea, William Golston, Jason Pierre-Paul, Stephen McClendon coming off the bench and rotating in. That's going to, if you love big guys mauling in the middle, this is a great game. I don't love that Levante David is out for the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are missing some key pieces. Leonard Fournette's on IR right now. Chris Godwin out for the, I believe, the rest of the playoffs. Levante David is going to be the big one. I love Levante David. Missing him is going to be good for them. Devin White is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the league. Shaq Barrett, we know that Shaq Barrett can do a Pro Bowl guy. Then you've got Antoine Winfield Jr., Sean Murphy Bunting, and Carlton Davis in the back end. We've kind of let the Bucks fly under the radar during the regular season, which is weird with Tom Brady in a 13-4 and team. They haven't been as headline-grabbing, I would say, as the Cowboys or the Packers this year. But they're in a great position right here. I, I just I can't see it getting any closer. We're, we see it a little bit differently, but we're both riding that Bucks pirate ship bandwagon. What's, what's going on in Georgia? Uh, Georgia scored a touchdown and yes. did not get the two-point conversion. So we're at 19 to 18, which is a volleyball score. What kind of score are we looking at there? Mm, croquet. Croquet. Water pole. Uh, horseshoes, potentially. Ooh, well, 21 and horseshoes, 21's win. 20, yeah. Cornhole. Cornhole. Yeah. Blackjack. Ooh. How much time we got left? Uh, seven minutes to go. Oh wow! I was hoping it was like 2:30. Seven minutes to go. Nick Saban's gonna score 20. Four points in that amount of time. In all field goals. It's going to make me mad. Because it's the SEC. All right. Roll tide. All right. Getting down to the six versus three matchup, the 49ers and the Cowboys. You've got the how are they here, Miracle 49ers. Won two straight to get into the playoffs. Um, Come back against the Rams. They had no business. I don't know if the 49ers won that or if the Rams lost it. You've got a team with the worst scoring offense in the 49ers. Versus the number one total offense, the number one rushing offense, the number one scoring offense in the Dallas Cowboys. So the 49ers Whoa. somehow getting in here with the Cowboys, and I know I shouldn't. I know it's I know it's like drinking candy or a Bud Light seltzer, but the Cowboys are just it's it. I'm a bee to honey on this one. I know I shouldn't. I know it's a bad choice. Give me the Cowboys. I cannot trust the 49ers. Why should I trust the 49ers? I don't think that you can trust the 49ers. I don't know that they. That really established themselves at the quarterback position. Now, Trey Lance has been awesome for a couple games. He's never played in the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo's maybe been to the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean anything. So, uh, you know, because he can't really do much. And so I <laughs> I do think that the Cowboys are going to take this one pretty handily. And, again, I don't know that you can trust the 49ers. I don't know that they've really actually been good under the, under the Kyle Shanahan era outside of the one season. Like, Convince me otherwise, right? Sell me on them. I don't know that there's really been something that I can really be consoled. The fact that they've been amazing um, in in his era. Again, they had the one good season, um, but take that season away, and I think he's been very average. And so I just don't believe anything that the 49ers can do. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep it. Again, it's weird this year, um, and I think that's kind of where football is going, where like, the offenses take charge and the defenses. It's more of a can you make a stop in a crucial moment than it is. How good is your defense actually? I mean, we're kind of seeing it with the Georgia football, with Georgia as well in college. But uh, the NFL is kind of turning that way a little bit too, where it's going to be the scores are going to be more in the 20s and the 30s more than in the, the teens. Um, and so with that, I do think the number one offense, with Dak Prescott and all the weapons that he has around him, I do think that the, there's no way really that the 49ers are going to be able to keep up. George Phillips great, but 
you know, when you have a quarterback that's a rookie, it's first time playing in the playoffs. It's going to be hard to keep up with an offense like that. So for me, I do think the Cowboys are going to win. Uh, they're only favored by three, but I do think that they're going to be the spread. So give me the Cowboys. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, probably something like 38 to 24, 38 to, 38 to 28, something like that. That's going to be my prediction. Now. And do we know for sure what's going on with Jimmy G and Trey Lance? So I'm, looking, I'm looking at different depth charts and seeing different things here. And that's the thing that we don't know. Um, and, again, if Trey Lance is playing, it's his first time ever playing in the playoffs. And not to say that, like, let's not pretend like playing at Dallas is a rowdy stadium, but the playoffs in the NFL are very different. And the biggest stage that he played on in North Dakota State was, what, 30,000 people, 20,000 people? Fargo Dome. Fargo Dome. Right, and that's what I'm, exactly what I'm saying. And so, you know what, like, and God bless him. If he ends up going in there and winning, then we'll have to, you know, give him – give him everything that he deserves. But until that happens, I just don't really believe that he has the capabilities of doing that. And is he going to be an amazing quarterback for 15 seasons? He absolutely can be. But I don't think that this year's going to be the year for him. So I do think that Dak Prescott and company are going to be able to take this one from the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is a curious case. I have somehow become a Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G defender. I was not a fan of either one, but I feel like they've been unnecessarily maligned. Sandra has the ball. Yes. Five minutes left. Yes. Up by one. Kneel. Five minutes of kneeling. Please. And I've somehow become a defender of these two guys because I don't know why everybody hates on them so much. You have, Kyle Shanahan absolutely masterminded that Falcons run to the Super Bowl, the one they should have won. Dan Quinn may have had the defense, but that was Kyle Shanahan's genius running the offense. So he gets a lot of credit for that. But this is his fifth year running the 49ers. 6-10, and 4-12, and 12, and then 13-3, and three, and then back to 6-10, and 10, and now 10-7. and seven. It's a very weird inconsistency. There's a lot to like about the 49ers. You talked about a lot of them. George Kittle, the running back. They kind of do whatever they want with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They're technically wide receivers, but they give them all kinds of running plays. I think Debo Samuel... Fun to watch. Yeah, fun, fun to watch. Fun team. Elijah Mitchell's been a nice, pleasant surprise. They're with check. They're one of the few teams that use a fullback. Nick Bosa's great. Fred Warner's great. Josh Norman is somehow still on this team. A lot to like about the 49ers. But man, I am just hook, line, and sinker baited with this Cowboys team. We talked about it before. Seven out of eight times in the last four years, the six has defeated the three. I'm just not convinced. I'm just, I, I think we're in the same boat. Where I don't, I don't know that I love this Cowboys team, and I really, I don't know that they make no. it farther than the division round. And I, I really don't like. I, I, and that's a weird thing. Like, I think if there's any other matchup in the NFC, I don't think that we choose either one of them. But because they're playing each other, we're forced to choose one of them. And I really don't know that anybody can. I don't know that there's really a selling point for either team. Um, and so, kind of when it's a mute point, or when it's kind of you know, kind of they're both even in our eyes. You have kind of go with the home team, the higher seed. So, I do think that's kind of where we're at in this. I don't know that there's a better way to go about it. Could we have flipped the 49ers and the Eagles? Then I would have been, oh yeah, Bucks Cowboys, easy wins for both of them. Now I'm conflicted. All right, what's your final score? I'm going Cowboys. I think they're. I don't. I know the Cowboys are great with Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs, but Trevon Diggs is he's like the defensive Jamar Chase. He's going to get his points, but he's also going to give up some huge plays in critical situations. So I think Dallas is going to give up points, but I think they're going to win this one. I think it's going to be higher scoring than we think. I'm going to go like a 31-28. I'm going to go nail-biter for the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think I'm at 38-28 on this one, too. Ooh. Lots of points. We should have looked up last year's scores. So, now we, we're kind of all across the board. Last year, Cleveland beat Pittsburgh 48-37. to 
Yeah, I remember Cleveland winning. I don't remember them putting up those kind of points, but I think they scored like 21 points in the first five minutes. The the lowest scoring game was New Orleans and Chicago, 29 to one, uh, 21 to nine. There we go. It's a better score. That was the Nickelodeon game. Do you remember watching that? The Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon game. There's a Nickelodeon game this year. I don't know which one it is, but I'm one of them so is. I'm so excited about it. You want to see people get slimed? Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. That was a goal when I was five years old. Okay. To get slimed? Yes. I think my brother did. Like we went and toured like. We went to Disney when I was a kid, and you know, like, Disney Disney World. is not Nickelodeon, though. But we did, like, all of them, like, Universal Studios, Busch Gardens, Epcot. We did, like, all of the Florida, Orlando, Tampa oh, yeah, things sorry. as a child. I forgot you were from the Midwest. Yeah, a lot, a lot more snow there, so you got to go to Florida for, like, a week out of the year, and it's great experience. And I think my brother, like, got slimed. He did some little game on a Nickelodeon recording and got a bunch of goop poured on yeah, man, that's just like when you're when you're a '90s baby, that's like the dream, right? And all I, I mean, I was too young to like participate, so I just got to sit there and watch. And eat. I don't know if we ever found that episode or if it aired. I feel like they probably shoot like 30 of those a day. His reaction probably wasn't good enough. Let's be honest with you. He's a Midwest boy. He probably had a bowl cut and braces. They probably didn't want him on TV. Yeah, he's probably ugly. No, I mean, we had every '90s bad look. He probably had the flannel shirt tied around his waist and the baggy jean shorts and everything. You gotta love it. Someone's got to do it. White sneakers and tall white socks? I'm not even mad about that. If anything, that deserves to go on Nickelodeon. <laughs> that, you would be the biggest TikTok influencer today if you dressed like that? I mean, there are people that dress like that. I did see an 8-year-old. Probably wasn't 8. He's probably like 5 or 6. With a bowl cut last night. Are those back in trend? Or is that just like an eternal I just mom think, haircut? I think that the baggy pants are back in top. Like, you see the girl around them? It's weird, man. I don't know. I don't get it. Either super high-waisted or super baggy. One yeah, of the two. One of the two. And I don't understand because neither of them are comfortable. Does that make us old fuddy-duddies? Like, I have been an old man since I was like 20, so I get it. But you were like, you look like you would be younger and more hip. I mean, I just enjoy the fact that I can wear form-fitting clothes, yeah. and then I don't understand why you'd want to wear baggy clothes that are just too heavy for you. That's because you do a thousand push-ups and a thousand sit-ups each morning. Someone has to do it. That's true. You and Rocky. Me and Rocky, and that's about it. Yeah, no, there's nobody else. Jesus. <laughs> I think this was God-given, literally. <laughs> All right, our last NFL playoff game here. Timeout, what do we got? Georgia going to win? Uh, Georgia has the ball driving. There is five minutes to go in the game, four minutes left to go in the game. It's second down and three from the 18-yard line going in. Yes. And they just got a first down, or they're just short, so third and short from, like, the, yeah, that 16-yard line. Go, up by one. Go Dogs. Go Dogs. D-A-W-G-S. Go Ugga. Ugga. My like, best mascot in college football. Ugga. Stop it. Ugga. Not even the best live animal mascot. Uh, yeah, he is. The Texas Longhorn? He's, he's better. The Colorado Buffalo? Ugh. The Buffalo? Okay, what's a better name? Is there a better name? Ugh. <laughs> does, does the Tennessee dog have a name? Or is it just the... Is it like a blue gear? Does it have a name? I don't know, but Ugh <laughs> is a great name. <laughs> Alright, our last NFL playoff game, the last chance to disagree. We've gone 5-for-5 five five in this one. Your uh, NFC West showdown, these two teams... Much like the Bills and Patriots played each other twice this year with the road team winning both. Not really what you expect. We hear so much about home field advantage, which, as we've proven, is not that big of an advantage. But the Cardinals and Rams, the Rams won at the Cardinals. The Cardinals won at the Rams. The Rams winning the division here. I think we predicted three teams to make this early in the year. I don't know that any of us thought these were going to be the three who did it. But the Rams 12-5, and five, the Cardinals 11-6. and six. The Rams 5-2 and two since their bye. You've got the Cardinals who started out hot, seven and one. They've been four and five since then, kind of limp to the finish. 
Kyler Murray's been beaten up. I think the defense has suffered some wear and tear on that side of the ball. I'm not quite sure what shape J.J. Watt and that crew are in. I think he's coming back. Is he's he up the IR. He's up the IR. Are he and Chandler Jones ready to go? Yeah, I don't think that they're ready to go, but I think they're okay. coming back. This is... And I'm, I'm happy for this Cardinals team. I picked the Cardinals to get in as, like, the seventh seed, so they did a little better than I thought they would. I, I like Cliff Kingsbury. I like some of the guys they have around there with A.J. Green. Zach Ertz was a good acquisition for them during the season. Really an underrated team. Guys like Corey Peters, Jordan Phillips have been around. Jordan Hicks, Marcus Golden, a lot of these guys you never hear about because they play for Arizona. Buda Baker is one of the best safeties in the NFL. Arizona's got something going on. I just don't think it's quite their year yet. We're seeing what Kyler Murray can be, but I want him to be healthy. I want Christian Kirk to develop a little bit more. I want a healthy DeAndre Hopkins. That would be a fantastic help for them to get him back. I think just too much beaten up for the Cardinals for them to have a shot on this one. The Rams, I have been trumpeting the horns for Matthew Stafford all year. He is my MVP. It doesn't have to be yours, but he is mine. He's put up numbers just as good as everybody else. Uh, he's right up there with Brady and Burrow and Raja and whoever else you want to throw out there. Give me the Rams in this one. But you cannot trust the Rams. They're, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I'm the only person who feels this way. The Rams almost feel like they kind of try to sleepwalk through games get by on talent. Like, we know they're loaded with talent. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, and Jalen Ramsey may be the best players at all their positions. Maybe not Vaughn Miller anymore, but at his peak, the best Vaughn Miller may be the best defensive end of the last decade. So guys like that on that team, plus you have Cooper Cup and his fantastic season I don't know where to it. Like, How, where did Cooper come from? I mean, he was good. Just like, yeah, just like a reception guy, and all of a sudden he is... All of a sudden he turned into like, uh, like a Wes Welker part two. Like, it was amazing to watch Why, why is he, he, he got to be like Wes Welker? Because he's white. Oh, what are you trying to say? That he's white. Mm. And he's a possession receiver that can put up 1,800 yards. So, he didn't break the record. He didn't break the record. So why, why can't he be DeAndre Hopkins? He's more like a DeAndre Hopkins deep threat breaking open big plays. He's a big guy. He's not sure. He's not... I'm going to tell you Cooper Cup is at least 6'2". Let me, let, you, you talk about something else. I'm, Cooper Cup is not a little guy. He's at least 6'2". He's not a little guy, but he's not. A, he's a possession receiver. He's not a big play receiver. You don't get 1,800 yards as a possession receiver. I mean, how many yards did Wes Walker get? He caught touchdowns in the postseason. That was his job. Yeah, well, he did damn good at it, too. Five-yard in routes. And Same just, thing with Julian Edelman. But anyways... So, it, I think that we're on the same page. I think that, you know, it's weird because I think that this team is like Michael Vick Part 2. Um, and, like, Michael Vick is amazing, is electric, and as fantastic as he was to watch in the regular season. He always limited to the playoffs. He is never fully healthy. And I don't know that Kyler Murray is ever going to really make it to the playoffs fully healthy. And God bless Kyler Murray. I love to watch him play. I think he's really fun. I think that team is really fun. A lot of speed on the outside with DeAndre Hopkins and, and all the guys that they have. Um, but at the end of the day... I just don't ever remember uh, the Cardinals or the, the Eagles with Michael Vick, not the Eagles, or even the Falcons, for that matter, being able to play in the cold weather. Not that they're, they're not playing in cold weather now. They're playing in L.A., but at the end of the day, um, playoffs are a different game, man, and you got to be healthy, and they're one Kyler Murray broken finger away from having to play Cole McCoy against the Rams defense, and that's just something that is not going to – um, farewell for him. I mean, we kind of saw what he did. Um, and again, he, they lost to the Lions. It wasn't really close. They lost to the Seahawks. I don't know how close that game really was. And so I do think that they're limiting it a little bit. I don't know how explosive Kyler Murray can be um, when he is uh, playing at, you know, at 75% even. And so 
Um, it's weird to think that we're going to go six or six in agreeances here. Um, I don't know that that's ever happened in any no. sport ever. Um, that means that means we're wrong on something. We can't both be that right That means that we're going to be wrong on something, and I know that that's going to be true anyways. But uh, for me, I just, again, I agree. And it's the weird thing because I don't know that I trust the Rams past the divisional round. No. I'd, I'd, I'd love this Rams team, but they are the hardest team in this entire thing to trust because they can, they like I said, they sleep. It feels like they sleep rock through games and kind of like, Decide when they want to turn it on, and that can't—that's not a formula for success in any professional sport. Like, I, like I don't think the Chiefs, the Chiefs and the Bucks are going to be dialed in every game. Tom Brady's not going to let them have, but it through Mahomes and Reed are not going to let the Chiefs get by on half effort. Sometimes, to me, it just feels like the Rams, like, oh, you know, we're so talented that half effort we can dominate people. And so, and I mean, they won the division doing that, right? So, Lord knows what they're actually capable of. But again, like. You have to bet against a game against the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Buccaneers, and you can be down by 21 points going into the third quarter and not, not be able to come back. And so that's not going to be able to work all the way through the playoffs, but I do think that they will be able to beat the Cardinals. So my pick is the Rams, and I don't trust the Cardinals, and I don't trust Kyler Murray. I think we'll get some good offense out of this one. I feel like I picked the same score for several games, but I feel like a, I think we'll get points. I'll go like 35-28 for the Rams in this one. I don't love the Rams defense. They have good they have like good players and good spots, but as a whole defense I don't love. I'm going the Rams. I'm going I'm going big I'm going big here. We're going forty one fourteen Rams. Dang. I don't think that the I don't think the Cardinals have anything to figure out. Uh by the way, George is gonna win. Thank you. Side note. Cooper Cup is six two two oh eight. Okay. So the top four wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, your boy. Six one. Six one one ninety five. Cooper Cup is bigger. Okay. Devontae Adams. 6'1". Six, 6'1", six six 215. 6'1". Six, and Jamar Chase. 6'1", six 6'1". Foot, 6'200". Six six mm-hmm. So, little tiny interior possession wide receivers. And here Cooper Cup is bigger. What's his average yards per reception? I'm curious. Uh, Who leads the league in that? I give you yards per game on this particular list I'm looking at. We're going yards per reception. So yards per game, he has 114.5. He's the only guy who averaged more than 100 yards per game. Obviously, because he leads the league in receiving yards. Here. But what? Give me Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was the single-season reception Yeah, leader. Michael Thomas is a stat. That's, that's, that's a more fair comparison. Michael, okay. Michael Thomas versus Cooper Cup, and Michael Thomas is... Speaking Ooh. of, where the heck did Michael Thomas go? Like I fell off the face of the earth. Well, once you lose your quarterback and you're playing with your big string <laughs> quarterback, whoever they signed that week in New Orleans, life changes a little bit. So, I mean, I understand why. I gotta figure out how this. So the NFL reshuffles, right? The low, the top seed automatically gets the who's ever the worst team left, lowest ranked team left. It does reshuffle, correct? So, meanwhile, Debo Samuel leads the league in average yards per reception, 18.2. Jamar Chase is number two, 18. 18. Um, and then we'll go down. Tyler Lockett is at 16.1. Okay, but if you get, like, four catches for 64 yards, that's not No, bad. that's why. I'm skipping over a lot of receivers here. Okay. Because um, if we wanted so number one, it's uh, Kevin White, one reception for 38 <laughs> yards. He leads the league. He was a top 10 draft pick. Or Henry Ruggs goes 24 oh, for 19 and a half. Okay, so I'm skipping over a handful of these guys. Give me a break. Kyle Pitts, 15.1. Still looking for Cooper Cup. I, I don't know. Am I missing him? I don't see him on here. You, prob- you probably intentionally skipped over him. Yeah, that's probably not true. But Justin Jefferson, 15 yards. 
Uh, so what is Cooper Cup at? Let's see. 13.4. So, again, I reside in my opinion that he's not the most explosive receiver in the league. Doesn't mean that he's not a stud, that he's just a possession receiver, and that's all I'm saying. Best receiver in the league this year. Maybe not the best all-time. Best this year. Cooper Cup? Best receiver this year. In my opinion. Yes. No, I'm just, I'm just declaring it outright. Oh, it's Justin Jefferson. Thank you. Biased. Okay. All right. So we went chalk, which is another scary thing. So, by the way, and again, there was an interception, and or was there an interception? Either way, Georgia's going to win this game. Love it. So for all of you Georgia fans out there, the score is 33 to 18 currently. The score is Alabama's losing. Oh, there is a oh Kaylee Ringo, true freshman, had a 79 yard. I must have told him this is 79 yard interception return for touchdown pick six. Good for that guy. True freshman out of Arizona. Screw him. Wow. Just saying. Should be, should be at Arizona State. Because they're a better program, obviously. Biased. Herm Edwards. All right. He's the man. So we need to get your playoffs here. So if these games go as we planned, the Rams would have to go to Green Bay to play the Packers. No chance. Packers? Packers. No chance. All right. And then you have what I think would be a very juicy matchup, the Bucks and the Cowboys in Tampa. There's got to be an upset here somewhere. Gosh dang it. Um... They can't have all the top seeds, man. I don't know. Bucks and Tampa. I have to say with the Bucks, man, there's gotta be upset somewhere though. I gotta go with the Bucks in this one though. Well, we we'll go back to the AFC here, circle back. So we went oh we didn't quite go chalk on this one. So you would get the Titans. Ooh, this is a good coaching matchup. The Titans would host the Patriots. Bill Belichick and this former player slash coach, Mike Rabel. Titans win. Do do they have Derrick Henry back by then? I don't think so, but the Titans still win that game. I don't think that they I don't think that they have enough healthy guys. I don't think that the, I don't think Mac Jones and company can keep up. I think the Titans. And then you get the Chiefs and the Bengals. I'm gonna go with the upset. There it is. Bengals. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. There we go. And who saw this AFC title game? Titans and Bengals. Sign me up, CBS Network. They're loving that. Sign me up for that one. I wow. And that's a I mean, talk about a fun game to watch, but also a tough game to pick. Yeah. Um, because I do love both of these teams. I think that the Titans have kind of been that – they've been that under-the-radar team a little bit, right, where they just kind of like, ah, eh, steady, right, we're just going to kind of grind it out. We might lose a couple games here, but I still end up as a number one seed, right? I think they end up 12-5. Um, just a good, steady team. Mike Grable's an awesome coach, defensive coach, good guy. Um versus the explosion of the Cincinnati Bengals. But I do think in the cold weather in January football, you got to be able to run the ball. And I don't know that the Bengals can keep up, so I'm going to take the Tigers. Wow. So in spite of all that, you got a one seed versus a one seed. Did I pick the Packers? We never no. Did you? No. All right, so you got the Titans coming out of the AFC. You've got Packers and Bucks. Who are the Titans going to play in wherever the Super Bowl is? It's in L.A. There we go. So fine. Um, and, you know, so, again, for this one, it's going to be weird because it, it, it's uh, – I talked about this before. It's very weather-dependent because last year when they were playing in the NFC Championship game, it was the same teams, and it ended up being, like, 40 degrees and clear, right? There's a definitive home field advantage playing in Green Bay, but there's only a home field advantage if it's 25 degrees, 20 degrees, 15 degrees, and snowy. I mean, again, the crowd plays a big factor, sure, but the weather is a huge home field factor 
home field advantage, especially in January, even December. Right in those late months, you get the snow, you get the weather. Um, it can play a big difference. But for me, you know, I don't know that the Packers. I love Aaron Rodgers, but I think that, you know, despite the fact that he's had all of the injuries and everything, I don't ever plan on betting against the GOAT until he loses. So, GOAT we go. Tom Brady, this is GOAT. Are we, are we going to see our first back-to-back in no. however long it's been? I don't think so. Are you going to tell me Ryan Tannehill's going to win the Super Bowl? I'm telling you, Ryan Tannehill's going to do a... He's wow. going to do the finger roll all the way to L.A. and get the Super Bowl championship. Yeah. I appreciate Ryan Tannehill, but you're telling me Ryan Tannehill is going to get through Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, okay, Mac Jones, isn't it? Yeah. No. Oh, he not yeah, he he to Joe Burrow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wow. We got we to gotta figure – I mean, we can't just have the top seeds win every game. And, uh, and, and again, like – the bu- the Bucks were a five last year when they made it. The Bucks were a five last year when they made it. They played all they they in the right uniforms the entire postseason. And I love Joe Burrow and his moxie and his swag. And I do think that he doesn't out of if there's any quarterback in the league that's gonna go into Kansas City and beat them, I think it's Joe Burrow. I don't know that I trust another quarterback to do it, but for him, and it's a weird thing because it's only his second year, but he just kind of has that that boxy, that championship vibe, that walk a little bit to him where he just doesn't care. Um, and I think, again, if there's anybody that's going to go in there and do and play in a shootout against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid, I think that he's the guy that's going to do it. So I would not be surprised if they actually have a chance to go in there and, and do beat the Chiefs. Well, there you have it. One of the few people in America picking the Titans, but you know, sometimes they say it's better to take the road less traveled. That's right. Also, Georgia is going to win the ball game. Love it. What's our what's our update here? 33-18, Alabama has a ball with 40 seconds left. So we watched like the first three quarters of that game, and it was like 9-6 to six when we left. And as soon as we stopped watching the game and came in here to record, suddenly offensive explosion. Well, to be fair, one of them was a pick six, but yeah. Still counts. Points. Yeah, SEC football roll tight. No. <laughs> no. No tides rolling. <laughs> All right, so before we duck out of here this week, I want to get Austin's thoughts on some coaching situations. We're getting close to our hour here. Eh, we got about 10 minutes left. Uh, it is Black Monday, so we've had five coaches hire, fired. Um, not quite sure what's going on with the Raiders. They may join this club as well. But basically, if you haven't fired your coach by now, I don't know why you would. The Raiders, Rich Passaccia. When you look at all the things that happened in Oakland this year with the John Gruden stuff, the Henry Rugg stuff, and that he still got them to the playoffs, and I actually feel kind of like a good, fun team. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think David Culley or Dan Campbell are going to get fired this year. We all know about Urban Meyer, what happened there, not shocking. Matt Nagy, not surprising there. Vic Fangio and Mike Zimmer with the Broncos and the Vikings, respectively. Not surprising either one. Those two guys are awesome defensive coordinators. If you're a team who needs a defensive coordinator, you absolutely want those guys. The Broncos had a top-three defense all year. Just couldn't put together the whole thing. We see a lot of these guys in the NFL who really just, they're equipped to be coordinators. They're not equipped to be head coaches. And I think Fangio and Zimmer are two guys who are going to crop up again. And then the most surprising one is Brian Flores, who won seven. goofy is that? Fire. Right. Won seven games in a row. Had them on the cusp of the playoffs. Yes, you didn't make it. But still, you're the Dolphins. And maybe this is a sign why you're the Dolphins. And you don't appreciate good things when you have it. But Brian Flores... I don't know that he gets a job this year. There's not that many openings. I, again, I don't think anything comes open unless we see a late move here, something crazy with like a Matt Rule or a Joe Judge happens. So I don't think Brian Flores will pop up this year. I think somebody will take him next year. But you've got these five openings. Anybody 
initially on your radar for these coaching searches, especially seeing how your team, the Minnesota Vikings, are one of the teams looking so, for looking on Indeed for new coaches. Looking on Indeed, on Indeed, you know, yeah. So it's a weird deal that happens. And it happens in college football, happens in high school football, probably happens in youth football, and it definitely happens in the NFL where you overcorrect. Mm-hmm. And so Mike Zimmer, as amazing as a coach he was, he was very stout, very strong. He was a defensive guy, right? That's where he, that, where, he, where he cut his teeth. He was a coordinator with the Bengals, and he won a championship as a defensive backs coach with the, with the, with the Cowboys. Um, I think he was a defensive coordinator with the Cowboys in the 90s for maybe for a couple of years. But that's just who he was, a conservative defensive coach. And so with that being said, I think that the Vikings have uh, – I think that they're going to overcorrect – um, regardless of what you think of how they, who they should hire, or where they should hire, or what they, what direction they should go, um, there's a couple guys that really come to mind. Um, Eric Bieniemy, I think, is the number one candidate on the market now. I think he's been the number one candidate on the market for two or three years now. Um, and I don't know if he just loves Kansas City and doesn't want to leave, or doesn't want to, doesn't trust himself to actually run a team and thinks Andrew Reid is. is uh, the best things in slash brand just wants to stay there forever, kind of like uh, what's his name from New England? Uh, uh, Josh McDaniels. Josh kind of the same deal where he went and left for a couple years and just like, ah, I'm good. I want to go back and coach under uh, Bill Belichick. And that's kind of just he's kind of been his stronghold for years. Um, and so it's I do believe that they're gonna it's gonna be him. Um, Brian Dable is another name that comes to comes to mind. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, the guy from the the guy from the Rams, who's been under the tutelage of, uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Remember, like two years ago, when just knowing Sean McVay got you a head coaching job in the NFL? Yeah, like, that was Zach Taylor's thing. Like he met Sean McVay. Yeah, and that's how he got the Cincinnati job. Now, granted, that worked out, but that was the whole thing. Of, oh my gosh, you know Sean McVay's system. You you get a job. Yeah, well, it's kind of been the same thing with Alabama coaches. Like you got the Alabama blood, we want to hire you as a coach. Look at Mario Cristobal, for example. But uh. I think that the uh, kind of the underdog guy, and I don't know how much how high of a chance he has of getting a coordinator or getting a head coaching job, but he's been amazing for the Cowboys. Is Kellen Moore, um, who's been the offensive coordinator there for three four years now, and just has been able to light that offense on fire. So um, I think those are probably the three names that come to my mind um, as a coach for, as a head coach for the the Minnesota Vikings. And again, they kind of got rid of Rick Spielman um, and they got rid of Mike Zimmer, and they're going to overcorrect. So they're definitely going to hire a guy that's coming from the offensive side of the ball who's going to want to run their own offense. And their scheme right now is kind of that inside zone, outside zone scheme. And so they're going to do away with that. So they're not. So they're going to end up hiring somebody that is going to be more explosive. Um, and that may um, not be perfect, not be great for the for the defensive side of the ball. They may end up giving more points, but they're going to be scoring all the points in the next few years. So um, those are kind of my expectations for who they're going to want to hire, um, in my opinion, for, for the next couple of years. The enemy is the one that I don't understand. We've all heard about him for several years, and it could be he's just waiting for the right job. He's turning down teams. Teams aren't turning him down. We don't know. Maybe there's some red flag that we just in the general public don't know, but it's astounding that the enemy hasn't gotten a job with five to seven jobs open every year. I just I feel like he's going to land somewhere. I could see maybe Chicago being alluring to him because you get to work with Justin Fields and develop him. Maybe Miami with two if you really like it. I think the table is set, Miami. You've got the defense, assuming a lot of those guys stay. You've got some talent on wide receiver and running back. They need to develop the offensive line. You have to decide what you want with Tua. So I could, I feel like the enemy is more of a Bears guy. I think Minnesota should make a play for him. Jim Harbaugh is kind of the curious one in this. Where is Jim Harbaugh coaching in the NFL or college next year? 
I don't know that he wants to leave Michigan. That I mean, that's the thing. Like, would but I, that's it. Honestly, that's a very curious question because I also do think that he believes that he's going to talk out of Michigan. And he now, I mean, you look at you look at famously what his record or what his what his resume says. He went, wait, he rebuilt Stanford and then he left. He rebuilt San Francisco and then he left. He rebuilt Michigan and then he left. So does he believe that he's rebuilt Michigan to the point where he can't go any farther and wants to leave? Or does he think that he's going to stay there because that's where he was born and raised and blood and that's where he stayed at school? So it could be twofold, and I don't know, I can't answer that question immediately right now, but I do think it's interesting to think that he, and, but I don't know that he would want to go to a team, he'd want to go to a team like Jacksonville, for example, where he believes that he can go there and rebuild the team and turn them into something that they haven't been for a long time. Um, I don't know that he wants to go to an established team like Miami or even Minnesota, for example, even though he's got that Midwest blood because those teams, even though they're not amazing, they're still relatively established compared to a team like Jacksonville. And I wonder how much influence money has to play in this. Jim Harbaugh, to me, seems so competitive and driven that he's not going to leave Michigan until he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. Maybe that is getting to the playoff or winning the Big Ten or whatever it is. Unless they force him out, I think he's just so gritty that he wants to make Michigan better before he leaves. The NFL draft is always going to be there for Jim Harbaugh. Why rush? Somebody's going to offer him a job. So he can take his time waiting out for the right one that he really, really wants. So I think I think Biennemi, Dable, Doug Peterson, and Jim Harbaugh are going to be the ones to watch. I think Minnesota with Doug Peterson would be great. I think he's he could work with Dalvin Cook. He could maximize Kirk Cousins for one year and then start over with somebody else. That's where I can see Minnesota being different. Do you want to win now, or do you want to tear it down and rebuild? They could get rid of. They have a lot of veteran players. They could get rid of Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. You could just completely tear this thing down and go the Jacksonville route for a year or two. But if you want to win now and try to get the most out of Kirk Cousins, I think Doug Peterson would be an interesting hire for a Miami or a Minnesota. I think Jacksonville will be very, very curious because yes, they're terrible. They've been one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL for the last decade. But man, you get Trevor Lawrence. Which he's going to be. I mean, you saw how he played against the Colts. I mean, he's got spurts of greatness in him. Yeah. Which which young up and coming coach? Who's the who's the Arthur Smith or the Brandon Staley out there who's going to want to get their hands on Trevor Lawrence? Some passing game coordinator for the Seahawks that we've never heard of is probably going to be the best guy. We hear about guys like Dable and Bieniemy more often than not. But somebody's going to look at that Jacksonville job and think, well, the cons have all the money in the world they can throw at me. Plus, I get to coach Trevor Lawrence, and there's no way you can do worse than Urban Meyer. So that Jacksonville job is going to be juicy for somebody. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And again, I, like you, like I, I'm so strange because I don't know that it is going to be juicy, in my opinion, because it's one of those franchises that you can almost compare it to what uh, Stefanski walked into in Cleveland where – uh, you know, the quarterback may look good and the roster may look okay, but how is the ownership? Tell me about the ownership. Tell me about the people that are calling the shots. You know, and I, it's, the weird, it's a weird thing in the NFL where, you know, there's about seven or eight teams where the owners don't give a rip and they're just there for the investment. And so um, I'm convinced that the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they did have the one good season, that they're more of an investment they are, than they are uh, an actual team that wants to get ran. Um, and wants to be developing players into becoming a championship team. And so, you know, it sounds good from the outside with Trevor Lawrence and everything, but I do think that, you know, it's unfortunate that this happens to a handful of quarterbacks over the course of our lifetime, but they get drafted into the wrong team, and then they end up just kind of uh, sputtering out, even though they have amazing talent. So 
Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars job is going to be something that is not very highly sought after. And not because it doesn't have the talent, not because Trevor Lawrence is amazing, but just due to the fact that the ownership just doesn't believe in the fact that they want to win championships right away. I don't know that they ever really want to. But you get to go there and you get to be part of all elite wrestling. You get to cross promote with that when you're the Jacksonville coach. And the beaches are nice. Ignore AEW. I just said that the beaches are nice too. I said and, not or. Oh. All right. Any last thoughts on the NFL coaching situation? Who's, who's, who's the top of your wish list? You're, you say the yeah. enemy. You're, yeah. you're the Vikings GM. You're, you're Ziggy Wolf. You're rolling out the money for the enemy. You either go Eric the enemy, which is the home run hire, or you do something really strange, and you hire, like, again, like a Kellen Moore, which is can either be a home run or it could be less than right. Frazier. Like, you don't know what it's going to turn into. So. I've heard his name pop up. Guys like Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, Dan Quinn, who took mixed results in their first go-around. We, I think we think a lot of these coaches are retreads and rehires in the NFL, and there's really not that many. I think a lot of guys get their one try, it doesn't work out, and then they go back into the rotating pool of coordinators. It's not like the NBA where you become a head coach, and then you're just a head coach for life, and you just change teams every three years. I think it's really tough to get that second job. What about just offer like $20 million a year to Sean Payton? It would be amazing. The Vikings will never do that. Oh. The Vikings are too conservative. The Vikings love, and again, this is something that I've heard about Vikings and Ziggy Wealth, and it's kind of that Midwest, Northern Midwest kind of conservatism a little bit, where they love being, they love having the chance to win a Super Bowl, but they don't love the chance of never being good. So that they, it's like, like being a Vikings fan is awesome because they'll never be bad. They'll never have the first round, the first overall pick, but it sucks because they'll never be amazing and they're never going to win the Super Bowl either. So they, Vikings ownership, and this is something that, again, it's Northern Midwest conservatism a little bit where, like, they appreciate the fact that they can go 8-8 eight and eight and be in the playoffs and give themselves an opportunity to go to the championship, go to the Super Bowl. But it doesn't mean that they're always going to win it. And they, frankly, they never have. So. It's just kind of how they go, and so they'll stay conservative, and they'll continue to win eight, nine, ten games a year, and then that's just kind of that way that it rolls. The Packers ownership group seems to have <coughs> to yeah, the fan base. Yeah. Well, they've also had the same quarterback for the last thirty-five years. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here for this week? Go Vikings. What's what's going on with Uga? Is it official? Did, did we wait? Did yeah. we wait it out? We waited it out, and the Katie Rigo pick six sealed it. So 33-18 final. Georgia's the first time they won the first time title that they won in 41 years. Herschel Walker days was that the last one? Herschel Walker days. That's right. 14 and one. Well, congratulations to the Bulldogs. Thank you for taking down Alabama for the rest of us. They were the best team this year. That SEC title game was a weird aberration. Georgia was amazing. Congratulations to them and congratulations to Kirby Smart. Is he like the first former second? Alabama guy to take down the Oh, and the first Alabama guy. Because Jimbo Fisher beat him, but he, right. beat, but he was at, at LSU. He's an LSU guy. Okay. So it's the first former Alabama assistant. Ah, uh, okay. That coach under Nick Saban. I was thinking it was the first Saban assistant to beat Saban, but it's the second. It's the second, because Jimbo beat him earlier this year. Oh. Texas A&M. There you go. All right, well, thank you all for joining us this week on the Sports Gospel. As a reminder, you can find us at sportsgospel.com. Look for our show on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. Thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week. Plan to have Andrew on the show to update the playoffs, check in on the NBA, maybe do some college basketball. I believe there's some UFC cards we need to address. It's an exciting new year, a lot going on in the sports landscape. January is a fantastic time if you're a sports fan. We will see you next go-around. Appreciate you guys.